Welcome to the Business Case for Women's Sports, where we explore every corner of the women's sports industry, from the field to the front office. I'm Caroline Fitzgerald, and I'm here to prove that it's good business to be in the business of women's sports. So let's get after it. Our guest today is Fielding Jameson. Fielding is part of the senior leadership team at RGA Ventures, where she leads their sports vertical and their strategy practice. As part of this work, Fielding is currently the managing director of the Trailblazer Venture Studio, which is the first venture studio focused at the intersection of women and sports. Welcome to the show, Fielding. Thanks so much for having me, Caroline. I'm really happy to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's really just such an honor to have someone with your tenure in sports to come on the Business Case for Women's Sports. So again, thank you so much. I'm excited for today's discussion, and the core of our discussion today will be around your work successfully launching and executing the first ever Trailblazer Venture Studio, which again is the first venture studio focused on the intersection of women in sports, which is just incredible. But before we dive into that, I'd love it if you could share a little about your journey through your career and through life that led you to the current position you hold now with RGA Ventures. Sure. Where should we start? I'll start more on my uh, professional career side. So I started off at NBC Universal on a new team there that was tasked with exploring emerging technology for the media industry and NBC Universal as a whole. And I'll date myself a little bit because when I started, that emerging technology that we were really focused on and working with, with some of our brands was actually breaking news text messages. So that's, that's where we started, uh, which is interesting because as you know, text messages have kind of come back as actually a huge form of communication and first party data collection for brands. Um, But I always think it's funny to say that that was really like part of the emerging technology group's mandate uh, when I started. And uh, that just led to a series of, of jobs and roles within NBC Universal and then later Comcast. I was with that company for nine years or so, all centered around this idea of how do you stay in the, as a massive company, um, you know, Fortune 100 company, how do you stay on the cutting edge of technology and leverage technology in a way that can help move a large corporation forward and how do you do that in a responsible way, but while also, frankly, not missing the boat on things. And a lot of that work, really, when you're looking at emerging technology, it's not a far leap uh, to then get to startups, ultimately. And that's really who uh, is driving a lot of tech development um, who's who are is actually looking at the edge, right? They're not comfortable where a lot of us sit in in larger corporations. They're entrepreneurs that are constantly challenging the status quo, and those are the types of people who you want to be uh, looking at these types of technologies or new opportunities and figuring out how do you bring that in to a large organization, and so was kind of became obsessed with that idea of larger organizations working with smaller organizations and how do you have a mutually beneficial relationship and RGA Ventures was was also doing that uh, they were doing that though for a number of different sectors which was really interesting to me I was really focused on kind of the the Comcast NBCU world um, and they were working with a number of different kind of clients and so 
a role opened up there on the um, RGA Venture side. And it was also specifically in sports. And as a lifelong athlete, I've always, um, I actually started my career at NBC in as a sports intern. I love sports. And so was really excited to be able to kind of bring together a like personal and professional passion around working in sports, but still looking at the ecosystem of startups, emerging technology, innovation, and combining that with larger organizations. And and my focus would be with sports. That's incredible. That's very interesting. Can you talk more about what you do right now in your role? What does it look like working for RGA Ventures? Sure. Yes. So, you know, what we say at RGA Ventures is that we are bringing together startups and corporations to create a more human future. That is our ultimate goal. And the way that we want to do that, again, the way that we want to create that more human future is by bringing together large incumbent organizations who have been here for a long time and are obviously doing things well um, and mix that with the new blood, um, new exciting things that are happening. And so my role is to uh, ultimately figure out when a organization comes to us and says, we're really interested in innovation, or we're really interested in pushing a certain part of our business forward, or we're really interested in this new emerging technology, is to figure out what type of program, um, platform, event, whatever it is, makes sense in order to meet their goals, and the types of startups and companies that we actually want to put in front of this organization to work with. And so we really put startups at the forefront of everything that we do with these organizations and kind of, again, building that bridge between those two worlds, um, but doing that in a way that's bespoke to every single organization that we're working with. So we don't have a cookie cutter approach. Um, We are very hands-on with both the clients and our and the companies and startups that we've worked with and relationships that we've built there to make sure that these are going to be really meaningful matches between the two. That's amazing. So let's dig into the Trailblazer Venture Studio. This is an incredible program that I know you're the architect of and have brought all these incredible partners to the table. So let's let's start at the beginning. What is the Trailblazer Venture Studio? And can you tell the story of how the program came to exist? Yes. Uh, the Trailblazer Venture Studio is the first venture studio that sits at the intersection of women and sports. Our goal with the studio was to bring together four major partners, which was RGA Ventures, Elysian Park Ventures, which is the LA Dodgers Ownerships Group's VC, the LA Dodgers, and then a Billie Jean King Enterprises. So we brought together those four partners under the thesis that the biggest growth opportunity in sports was women. And in order to bring that thesis to life and to actually put action behind that thesis, we decided to invest in what ended up being nine companies who sit at that intersection of women in sports in a number of different ways, which we I know we'll get into a little bit later about some of the companies. Uh, in terms of how it came to life, I think this was definitely a labor of love. This There was a lot of thought put into this by a lot of different people, and I'm really thankful to have all of those partners that I mentioned 
but also other partners and friends and colleagues and and people who contributed to just this line of thinking of how do we go about this in the right way? How are we thoughtful about it? How are we inclusive? How do we make sure the language that we're using is the right way is, is correct? Because to your point, this is your podcast is about the business of women's sports, right? And that's what we wanted to declare and come across that this was not an initiative that we felt like we had to do. This was something that we felt like there was big business opportunity here. And we wanted to make that claim again by showcasing and and making investments in companies that we feel very strongly about are going to have returns from a VC perspective, while also doing good in the women in sports space, because we ultimately believe and decided on uh, this idea that what is good and what is right per se in the world can live alongside what is profitable. Those things do not have to be mutually exclusive. And for some reason, um, society has often told us that they do, right? And and the data that we have now on so many of these things, sustainability is another one, right? Oh, for the longest time, it was being talked about as, oh, something that we should do, we should recycle, we should care about the environment. And instead now showcasing, no, there's actual good business behind doing that those things, right? So, and doing those actions. And so that was really what um, drove us to form the, Trailblazer Venture Studio. It was about a year and a half in the making. And how we landed on that and kind of subject matter, frankly, was we've been a long partner with Elysian Park Ventures since 2015. We launched the first sports tech accelerator with them, which is so crazy um, because now sports tech is a $13 billion industry. And, you know, back then, though, it was just getting started. Sports tech was like just starting to be uh, talked about and labeled and teams were and leagues were trying to figure out how to work with startups. And, and so fast forward, you know, throughout that time, that was very successful. And it really actually kind of kicked off Elysian Park Ventures portfolio. We were always looking for opportunities of like, what's next? Like, what's that next big moment uh, in sports? Where are we going to, like, what's the next sports tech um, within sports? And we've looked at so many different things uh, through one of our other sports studios at RGA Ventures called the Global Sports Venture Studio, which actually brings together like leagues and teams um, around kind of collaborative innovation. We've looked at a lot of areas like metaverse, um, fan engagement, new in in arena tech, um, fan experience while sitting on your couch, right? We've looked at a lot of different areas. And those are all going to be incremental growth. Pretty small, sure, right? You might gain a couple audience members here. You might gain some here. Um, but nothing that was like necessarily going to be like, wow, this is a huge opportunity from a dollar's perspective. And so we kept asking ourselves this question, what's the next big thing? And in reality, it took it, it took women, uh, me starting at Global Sports Venture Studio and another woman starting at Elysian Park Ventures, to then flip the question and say, maybe it's not what, I think it's actually might be who is the next big opportunity. And really started to put together a business case around women and the idea of focusing on women because 
we were sitting in so many meetings where people were talking about, okay, what are we going to do about Gen Z, Gen Alpha, all these different consumer behavior shifts, right? And all of those things should be studied and all of those things are matter. At the same time, it was frustrating as a woman, as a sports fan, as a customer, frankly, of a lot of these leagues and teams and organizations that I was talking to, to go, you know, women have consistently been showing up as fans. They have been consistently showing up as athletes as part of your sport. And yet you have not necessarily spoken to them or catered to them in any way that would significantly actually drive the opportunity for them to really participate. And so uh, we did a lot of research when at RJ Ventures, we kind of look at three main things. We look at uh, data and the data, I don't have to tell you, all people have to do is look at your you know, Twitter feed, right? Like the data is there. There's so much data surrounding um, the growth opportunity for women in sports from a fandom side, from an athlete side, from, from all angles. We look at what are brands doing? We started to see some really significant brand shifts, which was incredible to see. Uh, and then finally, we look at startups industry, of course, right? So what we saw was a lot of startups were saying were coming, were bubbling to the surface of saying, "Look, all these incumbents in sports have been here, and they haven't addressed this audience, and so now we're going to create companies to do that." And so once we kind of brought all that data together brought the right partners together. Uh, that was how the Trailblazer Venture Studio was born. That is such an incredible story. I love everything that you just said. I think my favorite thing you just said, though, was that what is right and what is profitable can exist in the same space. That is our key message here on the Business Case for Women's Sports, that it's good business, good from a gender equity perspective, and then good for the bottom line to invest in women's sports. And that's clearly what RGA Ventures and all the partners of this program are doing with the Trailblazer Venture Studio. So I'd love to shift now to hear more about these organizations. So you selected nine organizations at the intersection of women in sport. And for our listeners, I'm going to read who they are. They were Ida Sports, The Gist, Together, Cure a Story, Elysian Park Planning, Forte, Her Galaxy, Love Volleyball, and Sportsbox AI. First of all, why nine organizations? And second, this is such a diverse group of companies. How did you settle on these nine companies? To be honest with you, we thought we were going to invest in four to six. That was the original number that we actually went out to the marketplace with when we were talking to people about it. And the reason was um, we have, from RJ Ventures perspective, when we have built new venture studios, especially in new spaces, we have found that that to be a really sweet spot number. We could really, you know, focus on those companies. We also, frankly, you know, had done a lot of pre-research into the types of companies we were interested. We also just didn't know what we didn't know, which was like, who else was out there? Who were we missing? Who have we, have we not connected with? So I think it's actually an amazing story to tell that we went in thinking four to six and we ended up with nine investments. And that, for anyone in who works in, in VC and especially smaller VCs, that was a lot of investments to be making on the Elysian Park side and, and our side and our other partner side, right? So uh, it was really exciting to be a part of that because you're we couldn't even we we just 
when we thought we had the six, then it was like, wait, we want, you know, this, this company in and we want to invest in them. And so there's a lot of excitement there. Uh, it also was really great serendipitously um, having nine with Billie Jean King Enterprises and Billie Jean King herself being so dedicated to this studio and to the success of these companies, given that she was part of the original nine. And for those of who are listening who might not know, you know, the original nine was frankly the original group of trailblazers of women who are responsible for professional women's tennis. And they broke away from the men's tour in 1970. And they did so by signing a $1 contract um, and to stand ultimately for equal pay against men and women. And, you know, that, that moment in history in sports is like really where the tide turns for women. And has continued to grow. And tennis is one of the few sports, frankly, we do have parity across um, or or very close to parity um, across men and women. And, you know, Billie Jean King and again, the other eight women that were a part of that were responsible. And so it was a really nice uh, when we looked at it. And again, I wish we could say, oh, we were going to always choose nine, but we didn't want to have that number in mind. Right. We didn't want to just choose people to just fill a certain number. But I, I think that, you know, the universe aligned in a way to show us that like this original nine and then these nine companies, it was, it was right uh, for, for the um, first iteration of Trailblazer. And so that was really exciting to see. And then in terms of how we selected these companies, you know, there's a vast difference in a lot of the companies you made. So Ida is a consumer product, right? It is a, the first women's cleat uh, made that was, was specifically made and designed for women's body, which is crazy to think because we all think we've been buying cleats if you played soccer or lacrosse or any of these sports that were women's cleats and labeled as such, but really weren't designed for women's foot at all. And this these cleats were designed from the ground up for women. So we have Ida Sports and then all the way to like a sports box AI, which is a really deep technology company actually. And it's turning kind of 2D video into 3D video, um, specifically focused right now, looking on and analyzing a golf swing, but has plenty of applications for other sports. And so you have, um, and then you have media in there. And and so our, our thesis really lied at this idea of women and sports. And so it wasn't just about women athletes. It wasn't just about women fans, women's leadership. It was about all of it. And so that's why we were really intentional with that word and. And the companies that you see, I think, showcase that. So some of them are specifically for women. Some of them are for men and women, but but equally, women are put equally on that playing field as men, but were are led by women. Uh, some of them are for women fans. Some of them are for women athletes, right? And so we we really didn't want to kind of like limit ourselves and we felt like this space didn't need to be even honestly more limited than some people already make it. We wanted to um, really uh, support and celebrate the companies that were putting women um, at the forefront of their thinking in a space and, and sector, frankly, like sports, where women have unfortunately been an afterthought in so many cases. 
Well, it's an incredible roster of companies. I love that idea of the original nine. That is just perfect. Can you talk more about the details of the program? So how are you supporting these businesses during their time in the studio? We focus on three things during the studio, uh, three sources of capital. The first one is traditional investment capital. It's amazing with working with a partner like Elysian Park Ventures is you know, they are tried and true VC. And so where they are, their goal is returns, right? And so they are um, made, we both RJ Ventures um, and Elysian Park Ventures made investments into these companies from a financial perspective. Um, those investments were made as a part of whatever round they were currently raising at the price that was set in, you know, in collaboration with those companies. This was not a, we were going to blanket everybody with the same amount of investment for the same amount of equity. That's not, we don't feel that that is founder friendly and does not set these companies up for success. So these companies um, had a range of investments in them from a financial perspective. Second form of capital is creative capital. And that's where RGA, um, RGA Ventures' parent company, um, which is a worldwide agency, one of the most, you know, an incredible digital agency, works with some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, That's really, I think, where some of the secret sauce comes in is when you combine the three sources of capital, and I'll get to the third, which is relationship capital, but when you combine all these capitals, then you have creative capital as well, it unlocks an unbelievably, uh, just kind of an unbelievable exponential growth that you don't normally see within startups. And the reason is because startups, frankly, don't have a ton of money to be spending on things like marketing and brand identity and logo design and color palette and messaging and user experience and user interface and all of these things that are actually incredibly critical to consumers' experience with the company or consumer or customer experience with the company. And so when you have some of the top and people, top creatives in the world who are working on huge, huge briefs and brands and who are creating ads for the Super Bowl and launching the some of the biggest products in the world working then on these small smaller companies it's really cool to see the work that's done um and so a huge shout out I think to the RGA creative team that was a part of this because the work that they were able to create kind of during this program was was unbelievable and then the last part is relationship capital. I'll I'll just say, Karen, when we launched the studio, we had such an unbelievable outpour of support from individuals, uh, organizations who were excited to be a part of this and want to help. And so we leaned on all of those people. You know, we certainly leaned on our partner set because we really did feel like this partner set could get in touch with anybody uh, in the sports organization world, sports world. Um, but even outside of that, we leaned on those people to say, we, you know, like, not only are we want to make an introduction to one of our companies, but here's the business opportunity. So we worked really hard with each individual startup. I'm talking meeting weekly with all of those companies to talk through what their goals were in the next six months, what their goals were in the next year, what types of partners unlocked those goals, getting them in the room with those partners, following up, creating materials that would help them. Um, and in some cases, actually saying, we don't think that's the right partner for you. We actually think you should focus here. And 
um, having having some of those conversations. And so those are really kind of the three things that we focus on mostly um, over those three months in the studio. And, you know, while I say it's only three months of intense time, all of those conversations have continued. And so, you know, we had our at a big rap event in December, which was fantastic. Uh, but, you know, this year and even just this last week, I've been on like four or five business development calls between brands and organizations and, and our companies and trailblazers. So all of that work really does continue after those three months. We just like to um, have that focus period to get people really excited um, about, about these companies for, for those couple months. Well, Fielding, that takes me into my next question. What are your future plans for the studio? We are looking at that now. Um, we are super, I mean, we have, again, as I said, the support of the studio is fantastic. We certainly are continuing it. Um, and we are looking at what kind of makes sense in the best way. How do we now, now we have nine companies to continue to support. So how do we continue to show to show them the support that they deserve and need? Uh, as well as add add more companies under the Trailblazer umbrella. And at the same time, how do we leverage what we've built through Trailblazer, which is actually an incredible community of both men and women supporting this initiative? How do we um, continue that drumbeat? And then, you know, through uh, events and other um, partnerships, potentially with other groups, you know, how do we just continue to kind of bring all of that amazing relationship capital that we had kind of built and cultivated through this program. Um, and all of those people who are raising their hands saying, I'm here, I support this thesis, um, and I want to help. How do we, how do we bring that to more companies than just our nine or our whatever it ends up being, you know, and we invest, you know, who we invest in this year you know, how do we kind of continue to just bring that energy to the whole ecosystem? Incredible. Well, the future is certainly bright for the Trailblazer Venture Studio. We have arrived at our last few questions, believe it or not, Fielding. Before we get to our closing questions that we ask all of our guests that come on the show, I have to ask, what was it like throughout this program working with Billie Jean King, the mother of women's sports? It was incredible. You know, um, you hear sometimes people say like, oh, don't meet your heroes. And when I met Billy Jean King, she is everything that you um, imagine her to be and more. She, um, you know, 79 years old, just celebrated birthday, 79 years old. She hasn't slowed down one bit. She, uh, you hang on every word and piece of advice that she says, because it's just so timely and relevant. Uh, and I've said this from the beginning that I don't believe that there is a single person who has done more for women and specifically in the realm of sports than Billie Jean King. Like there's just no one person that you can point to to say that has had as much of an impact, frankly, as she's had on the, like, the world um, as, as Billie Jean King has. And so working with her, working with her incredible team um, was really a dream. They were so instrumental in building this and making sure that we were coming at this space from a very authentic place that we understood some of the dilemmas, some of the the issues that were happening in this space and how we could best, you know, help that. 
um, and, and again, actually, actually help it, not just say we want, want to help, um, and, and use our resources to do that. And so, yeah, she's, she's absolutely incredible. If you ever have a chance to see her speak, if you ever have a chance, you know, watch her interviews, read her book. I actually listened to it on audiobook because she herself r- reads it and it's incredible to just hear it in her voice. Um, she even gets some choked up at some of the moments that she kind of talks about, um, because she's laid her life on the, like. For everybody to see, you know, she's talked about some amazingly intimate moments um, that I think a lot of people would shy away from sharing. And she's done that to help push all of all women forward. And so it's very inspiring and very powerful to be in a room with her and and her team. That's amazing. And I didn't know she read her book on the audio book. That is a hot tip. I'm definitely going to be listening to it now versus reading it. Okay. Fielding, we're at our last questions. If you could wave a magic wand and create parody in one aspect of sports, what would it be? This is a hard one for me. I went really back back and forth. I know you like to ask this question. Um, I think I, I, I settled on coverage. I think that is where I would like to see parody coming from all aspects. That's from print. That's from uh, media, you know, media that's OTT, that's social, like any platform. I just want to see more coverage. Um, but my close second was frankly marketing, I think just marketing dollars, um, across the board and from large organizations. I think I want to see some of the biggest organizations who have put so much money behind men's sports, be putting equal amount of money and investment behind women's sports. And I think that will also go a long way. So I know I cheated, but those are kind of my, my top two. That's tremendous. I would agree with those. I I think coverage is number one. That's the key to unlock all of the potential in women's sports. Okay. Before we get to our final question, is there anything you want to plug or share with our listeners? If you are out there and you are building a solution um, that puts women and men of equal playing field in sports or specifically geared towards women, we have our website, um, trailblazerventurestudio.com, and you can um, click a button that says stay in touch with us. And uh, if you do that, we will be able to kind of track what your company is doing and, and be in touch and make sure that we're kind of aware that you're out there. Um, same thing in just in terms of RGA ventures. Um, you can also reach out to me in general, but we are constantly looking for um, entrepreneurs and startups in the cutting edge in a number of different fields. Um, so I encourage you to follow our socials and just stay up to date in terms of types of programs that we are running. Incredible. We will link to all of that in the show notes too for easy access for everybody. Okay, Fielding, last question. It's the question we always close with here on the Business Case for Women's Sports. Can you summarize in a few sentences why you think it's good business to invest in women's sports? This is a challenge um, because to summer only a challenge to summarize it in a few sentences. I think I could go on for a long period of time. Um, I'll quickly just say in 2009, the Harvard Business Review did um, a study that showcased that as a market, women represented a bigger opportunity than China and India combined. That was 2009. It's like one of my favorite studies to to quote, right? And now we're seeing stats that say things like by the year 2028, women are going to own 75% of discretionary spending. 
And another, you know, one of my favorite quotes, I, I wish I could attribute it to the right um, author, but someone wrote in a Forbes article that said, you know, if you want to know where the market is going, you follow women. And so ultimately, I think to answer your, your kind of question around like why it's good business, women separate even from the sports world represent such an incredible market opportunity that has just frankly been missed and overlooked for such a long period of time. And I think a lot of that, and this is why we could go on forever, is some societal issues, you know, contributing to that. And now as markets have slowed down and people are looking at new audiences to bring in, people are starting to see, oh, wow, like women drive consumer spending. Women drive purchasing power at home. Women have been showing up, even though they haven't been spoken to, they still make up 50% of fan bases across some of the major men's sports leagues. And so now it is such a, you know, the, the growth opportunity within women is the type of growth that you're only seeing, frankly, in emerging markets. And finance people love emerging markets, right? So I think my, my, you know, my want is for people to see this space and see the opportunity from a business perspective and go, okay, like all of the numbers, all of the data is all trending in the right direction. I don't know what else we need to show to convince people. And so I've stopped being in the game of like convincing people because I'm like, if you don't want to get on board, that's on you, right? So that's why it's amazing to be with partners who have said, no, like we're here. We want to be doing this. And it's amazing to see the brands that have already stepped up and again, doing that in a true authentic way, not in just a marketing ploy around like Women's History Month, for example, where people show up for like one month and then go away. But there are brands who are significantly moving dollars, uh, who are looking at women's sports, who are sponsoring, who are looking at women athletes. And then you look at the NIL space. Women are very good at marketing. We're very good at selling things. Um, mostly probably because we've had to sell ourselves the, our entire lives to just be able to, to, to show parity across the board. And so, you know, women are outpacing men in NIL because of this marketing appeal in, in incredible numbers. And so you're seeing all of this and, you know, I just, I could talk about it forever, but then I get tired of trying to get, say, like, I'm not here to convince you. Like the numbers speak for them. This is why I love data. The data speaks for itself. Look at the trends. Look at what's happening here. And if you're not soon a part of this, you're going to miss that growth opportunity. You can still be a part of it eventually, and that will be great and you'll be welcomed, but you're not going to see the actual kind of probably returns that a lot of us who are at the forefront of this are going to see because we are investing early and we're seeing where the market is going and the opportunity that's going to come our way and the returns that will come our way as a result of that. Such a great answer. The data is there. The numbers don't lie. Fielding, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your insights, all your knowledge, make the business case for women's sports. It's been such a pleasure having you here on the show. And I just truly can't thank you enough. Caroline, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Goals Podcast, the business case for women's sports. 
leave us a review, check out the show notes, and be sure to follow Goals on Twitter and Instagram for the most up-to-date content on the women's sports industry. And remember, it's simply good business to be in the business of women's sports. 